All right, let's talk about longevity for a second. Did you know that 75 to 100% of brain autopsies from Alzheimer's brain banks were found to have Lyme disease? Meaning 75 to 100% of people who died from Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative disease, when their brains were autopsied, they found the bacteria that is responsible for Lyme disease, known as Borrelia burgdorferi. And these findings are consistent across multiple brain banks and were even confirmed in a recent Harvard review. This makes a very strong case that Alzheimer's, dementia, perhaps to some degree Parkinson's, although there's a stronger pesticide connection there, and cognitive decline may be connected to the bacteria that causes Lyme disease and that bacteria more specifically getting into the brain. There's a lot of talk in the health and biohacking space about longevity. And so-and-so thinks they're going to live to 180, yet somehow looks old for their age. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just stating the obvious. And other people are suggesting molecules like NAD or NMN or practicing fasting to activate longevity pathways. There's even physicians that are talking about using drugs like rapamycin that are known to inhibit and suppress the immune system and how those are being used for longevity by dampening a growth pathway known as mTOR, which seems a little bit counterintuitive, how suppressing the immune system could actually make you live longer. I don't know. We'll see on that one. And this is great and all, but I think we need to kind of address the elephant in the room here. And that is that 80% of us, which means four out of every five people are going to die from just one of three things, cancer, heart disease, or neurodegenerative disease, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. That means if you don't know what actually causes cancer, heart disease, neurodegenerative disease, how to test for it because your doctor doesn't, and how to get rid of them and bring the body back into balance, then the odds are you're going to be in that 80% of people dying from one of those three things. And in that case, the only thing we're really biohacking with all these longevity supplements and practices, it's our imagination. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just, I feel like we need to have this conversation and get it out in the open. So this is why I've created our Apex Longevity Code coaching program, where we test you for over 50 different types of cancer. We test you for Lyme disease, parasites, yeast, and fungal infections that have been connected to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, cognitive decline, even brain fog and chronic fatigue. And we utilize gold standard labs to assess your cardiovascular and cerebrovascular risk factors, all in one fell swoop, giving you the peace of mind that comes with knowing exactly what's going on in your body and that you are minimizing your risk of the things that kill 80% of people. Again, cancer, heart disease, and neurodegenerative disease. I'll then customize you a program to give you complete control of your longevity and empower you to stay healthy for life. But we don't stop there. But wait, there's more. We'll also measure your biological age. That's different from your chronological age. Your biological age is how old you are at the cellular level and your rate of aging. And then tailor your biohacked game plan so you not only look and feel younger, but you are actually younger biologically at the cellular level by using leading edge tools and practices personalized and customized for you. This is for men over 30 who have more money than time, 
want to increase both their lifespan and their health span and take control of their body, mind, future, and health. It's especially powerful if you want more energy, a better body, a sharper mind, deeper, more restful sleep, heightened libido, to look years younger, and to feel like you're truly firing on all cylinders. I'm only offering this to a few men who see the value in getting this handled and are in a position to start right away. To be clear, I don't practice medicine. More specifically, I don't examine, diagnose, treat, offer to treat, cure, or attempt to cure any physical or mental disease or disorder. I don't recommend or prescribe any medications or pharmaceutical drugs or recommend any changes in dosages of legally prescribed medications or drugs. The Western medical system has that stuff covered, and it would be illegal for anyone to engage in those practices without a medical license. I use science-based labs to gather data and to quantify your health and risk of all-cause mortality, then provide you with a personalized game plan to live better, longer. All of this so that you're in a better position than the vast majority of people who statistics show will end up dying from either cancer, heart disease, or neurodegenerative disease. So if you're interested in seeing if you're a fit for the Longevity Code coaching program, text your full name and the reason you'd like to be a part of it to 847-989-3743. You can also go to biohackercoaching.com and book a time to talk with myself or someone from my team. That number again is 847-989-3743. And the website is biohackercoaching.com. Thanks for your time. All right, all right. Here we are. Part two of detoxing metallic nanoparticles, biohacking anemia, and how not to die of a heart attack. If you guys missed part one, it's the episode right before this, but you definitely want to go and check that out before this one. Covered a lot of really cool stuff. I shared a non biomarker uh, method of simply looking at your face or someone's face and figuring out if uh, if one of these things are present, it will tell you that you have, and this, is, this has been validated in over 30 scientific studies, you have a, a rough, approximately a 33% increase risk of having a heart attack. And if two of these things are present, then you have a 77% increased risk of having a heart attack. And uh, many of those scientific publications include accredited uh, academic institutions like Stanford and many others. So I also give you guys a bit of an update on what's been going on in my life and some of the fun stuff taking place here with the DiClemente family. I started dance lessons, uh, had a couple near-death experiences in North Carolina. Uh, lots of fun stuff. And then we we started with um, a bit of a case study from a friend of a friend, a guy that that I'd met that's a, a really fantastic dude whose daughter is seven years old and she's been getting into wrestling. Um, but she started developing in, in oh, if you hear some beeps, um, it's because I'm rocking some red light therapy. I've got these devices called the Move Plus. It's by this company called Kineon. Um, I've had 
uh, Forrest from their founding team on the podcast. I just don't recall off the top of my head what episode that is, but they're pretty gnarly. They're they're these um, red and infrared lights that use both lasers and LEDs. And you can put them on your knees, your ankles, your hips, your shoulders, your elbows, and get basically a red light uh, therapy session in while you're working, while you're laying in bed. I wear them sometimes in the sauna and they're great. I had, um, I did a workout today. I mean, it was only a pool workout, but <laughs> it still counts, right? I hit the pool and the sauna. And then I had a couple hours of dance lessons. And so while I'm recording this pod, I've got the Kenyon Move Plus. I've got one on my right leg and then I've got their newer model on my left leg and they're both running. So if, if you hear any more beeping like that one that sent, sent me on this tangent, that's what's going on there. Um, and you can check out their stuff. Their website is kineon.io, I believe K I N E O N.io. And if you decide to pick one up, we, uh, we should have a, a biohacks discount code that we set up during that podcast. So going back to, where I was um, in my story. So his daughter had started developing involuntary, um, it's called tardive dyskinesia, but basically it's like ticks or involuntary movements. And it's seen sometimes with Tourette's, but one of the differentiators between Tourette's and this is is the um, the phonic part, the sounds or, or words. And we, we kind of went into explaining how that there can be mechanical causes here and it's worth looking into her atlas and, and, you know, her neck and cervical, cervical area, um, cervical part of the spine. Um, but I also explained that toxic metals and nanoparticles, um, many of which are now being, you know, they've been injected into all of us. If we, if we've gotten any of these medical injections at any part of our life, but, um, they're being, they're being administered at a much higher rate to our children. And it's, it's a bit of a moving finish line because they're using lots of different metals, which makes them, which makes them very difficult to test. And for some children based on their detox pathways and their genetic makeup and a whole bunch of other factors, you know, you can reach a tipping point with too many metals and then it starts to interfere with proper, proper functioning and firing of, of the nervous system and, and, and the musculature of the body. And these ticks can develop. So I'd kind of pointed out that the, the, the two ways that the two most prominent ways, there are many that these metals get into the body are injections that start with the letter V and, uh, and and they're also in a lot of medications, a lot of prescription medications, so much so that it almost seems intentional. Um, and they're pretty stealthily hidden in the uh, in the ingredients list, sometimes not even at all. You know, they're put in, in, in inactive ingredients or coloring agents and that sort of thing. So I would go back to that episode and listen to that to, to understand some of the recommendations that I gave there, if that is of interest to you at all, or if you know anyone that has been dealing with involuntary tics or tardive dyskinesia or Tourette's or anything like that, we kind of cover, uh, cover that in some depth on both the mechanical and the neurological side. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's important to address something that's a bit of an elephant in the room, because I know that like when I, when I kind of took a stand with this stuff in, 
in early 2020, um, you know, I saw how many people, how polarizing it was. And I didn't realize until after that there's a lot of reasons for that. But like, even just, you know, if you just pay attention to how your body responds to the words I'm about to say, uh, you'll realize that, men, I mean, you may not realize it, but many of these words and phrases have been have been weaponized and in order to elicit an emotional response where people just shut down and they don't explore certain topics and and and, and you know without going down too many rabbit holes i think you know if you it, just just pay attention to how people respond when they hear anti-vaxxer he's an anti-vaxxer you know he's a conspiracy theorist these are all words and brands that have been weaponized in order to keep us from having an open dialogue about topics that are are literally shaping our society and our species. And I think it's time for all of us, but you know, not everyone's ready to be adults here and to be willing to explore this stuff and to look a little bit deeper and to say, all right, you know, I think I have my opinion on this, but I'm willing to explore the other side. And I'm willing to read some books on it. And I'm willing to watch some documentaries. And um, so before we kind of dive into this part two of detoxing metallic nanoparticles, biohacking anemia, and how not to die of a heart attack, I wanted to share some fun stuff with you. So this is um, a little clip from our man, uh, Bobby De Niro, Robert De Niro, and he is talking about a documentary film called Vaxxed that was pulled from a film festival in 2016. So um, I guess one of the things that I may have shared on the podcast, but I can't keep my conversations in real life versus the podcast straight. So I want to share it here because it is relevant. Um Back in, in probably 2012 or 2013, I had a woman working for me. She was my my VA, um, really, really nice woman, helping me with a bunch of stuff for a company that at the time was called The Health Blueprint. And she was always very prompt, responsive, and we had a good relationship, albeit virtual. Um, we'd worked together for probably close to a year. Um, and then there was a period of like five days where she was just, she just ghosted. I, I didn't hear from her at all. I didn't know what was going on. And then she finally came back and she said she she had had a daughter. Um, I think her daughter was around two at the time. And essentially she told me that she'd taken her daughter in for some of these injections that start with the letter V and she had become autistic, like literally like that day or the next day. It was within 24 hours of the shot. And she'd gone from, you know, being a normal, healthy, happy kid to not making eye contact and not smiling and crying a lot and, and a total 180 in her behavior and, and was requiring a tremendous amount of time and attention. And her mother was clearly heartbroken because she felt responsible for it. Um, and that was what prompted me to dig deeper and, and, and start reading as many books as I could find on both sides of, of these injections and watching documentaries and talking to people and, and asking some serious questions that have kind of brought me to the position I am at today. And, and I'm certain that, that anyone with a scientific and inquiring mind that is not uh, beholden to the, um, the medical industrial complex 
or, or, or feels like their financial or their financial future or their medical license is at stake for them taking a stance. If they really spent the time digging into this topic, uh, you would, you would have a, a very, uh, it would be, it would, it would be a hard case for you to not recognize that there are some inherent dangers with these things, especially for some children. And there's a lot more going on than has been shared with the people. So this isn't an episode on that stuff, but you know, it kind of came up because, and I, and I don't even know if the story that I shared of, of that girl and the tardive dyskinesia is in any way related to one of these things. I don't know if how many she's gotten, if she's gotten any, you know, maybe her dad shares the same opinion of me and he's, he's never even had her get any, right. Or maybe she's gotten all of them, including the ones that, that were rolled out in 2021. I don't know, but it needed to be addressed as a possible contributing factor, especially as those things are a Trojan horse for some of these metals. So here is a, here's a little video from Robert De Niro. That's just kind of topic relevant. And I thought you guys might find interesting because we got to start opening ourselves up and we got to start doing what is right for our children and our children's children and our species. And that sometimes means releasing ourselves from the hypnotic trance of these weaponized words and being willing to do some work, especially when lives are at stake. At least that's my opinion. So here we go. The movie is something that, that people should see. There are, there's a lot of information about things that are happening with the CDC, the pharmaceutical companies. There's a lot of things that are not said. I, as a parent of a child who has autism, I'm concerned. And I want to know the truth. And I'm not anti-vaccine. I want, let's hear that. I am. It doesn't seem to want to hear much about it. It's shut down. And you guys are the ones that should be the investigating. Do the investigating. There are many people who will come out and say, no, I saw my kid change like overnight. I saw what happened. And I should have done something. And I didn't. Yeah, there's something there that people aren't addressing. And for me to get so upset here today on the Today Show with you guys means there's something there. That's all I wanted was the movie to be seen. People can make their own judgment, but you must see it. There is nearly consensus in the scientific community that there's no link there. Do you believe that's not true? I don't. I believe it's much more complicated. There is a link. And they're saying there isn't, but there's certain things. There's a, the, the obvious one is thimerosal, which is mercury-based preservative. But there are other things. And there are some people who cannot take a vaccine and they have to be warned that they just don't give a kid a bunch of shots and then something happens. Some parents, you know, even in the documentary, they say, I knew I shouldn't have done it. I knew I shouldn't have done it. I talked to the doctor. He's the doctor. I should listen. I should listen. I did it the next day. The, you know, imagine how the parent feels. Everyone should have the choice to take vaccines. Some places it's becoming mandatory. All right. So that's that clip. And then last little thing before we get into the the, the topics that I've kind of hinted at, um, Drew Canoli, who some of you guys may follow, he's the founder of Organifi, great guy. And uh, he's got the Drew and You podcast, I think it's called as well, um, along with Instagram and all the other stuff. He posted this on his Instagram and it's got this picture of almost like a, a Merlin looking guy in a hooded robe and he's looking at a crystal ball and it says how do we save the world dot 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 and then uh down below the crystal ball it says stop letting strangers poison your newborns upon arrival right okay so i hit it a little hard 
I'm sure some people are like, how long is he going to keep going with all this stuff? But anyway, it's, it's just because, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it takes us, I know with me, it's taken me getting poked and prodded and zapped and zinged before I've looked into something or, or, you know, confronted with the harsh truth that the way I was doing something absolutely was not working for me to start exploring other ways of doing things. And and we may be there as, as a society. So, all right, let's get into the episode. Um, a, a cool little story that was relevant and, and is relevant to um, the, the tardive dyskinesia. I, I talked about some of the mechanical contributing factors like, um, Sorry, I'm trying to turn these red and infrared lights off. Uh, I talked about some of the mechanical and um, contributing factors as well, like like TMJ uh, and and having misalignments in the atlas and the upper cervical part of the uh, the spine and, and neck. And I wanted to share a story that that really reflects that because I'm not going to use her actual name, but there's, there's a wonderful, uh, wonderful woman I've been working with for a while. And her story was, you know, she got bit by a tick seven years ago on her head. Everything went downhill after that experiencing severe depersonalization, brain fog, depression, sometimes so bad that she wanted to die. And, you know, she wasn't like planning her suicide or anything like that, but she was like, dying would be better than this. And she knew that I'd had Lyme disease twice and and we started working together. Well, the more we dug into some of her precision diagnostics and blood work, the more I was saying to her, like, you don't have the blood work of someone who's had Lyme disease for seven years, because usually there's a tremendous amount of, you know, the horm- hormonal pathways start shutting down and, and, there were, there were some patterns that I just wasn't seeing with hers and her blood work looked pretty good. And then I, I, I also asked her and I said, I was a little bit surprised because she wasn't experiencing any pain at all. And, um, and some of her inflammatory markers were kind of high. And I asked her and I was like, are you not in any pain? Because usually when people have had Lyme for seven years, it starts to cause physical pain and inflammation and all that. And she was like, no, not really. And then the next, the next week we joke about it now. Cause like the next week she got in and she's like, you know what, after you asked me about if, if, if I'm in pain, I realized I'm actually in a tremendous amount of pain. Like a lot of parts of my body hurt all the time. I've just gotten used to it. And she's like, actually my neck is the worst. And so we dug in a little bit and we talked about, um, some different things that she could do with her neck and and possibly get things into better alignment. And in doing so, perhaps improve the not only blood flow to the brain, but also the communication of the entire nervous system. And um, and then there were some things with red light therapy and and, and whatnot. But she messaged me like a week later and she said that, she was like 75% better. First it was 50% better. And then she's like, most days now I'm like a seven, a seven and a half out of 10, where a lot of days before I was like a one or a two and just kind of dragging through the day. And, and it took everything she had in order to do that. And 
you know, I said to her on her last call and I was like, what is, I mean, how, how does that impact, you know, when you reflect upon the, the story that you told me, you know, I was bit by a tick seven years ago on my head and like everything went downhill and that, I'm, I mean, I could see that still being true, you know, but sometimes we tell a story so many times that it may not actually reflect, uh, what is driving the symptoms that are most bothersome for us. Right. Um, and I see this a lot because it's very difficult to differentiate between say Lyme disease or many of the co-infections that accompany Lyme disease like Bartonella or Babesia, which in plenty of examples become more problematic than, than the Borrelia burgdorferi, which is the bacteria responsible for Lyme disease. It's also very difficult to differentiate between Lyme disease and mold toxicity. If you've been in a water damaged building and that's got into your body, um, or you have a, a genetic makeup where you have a, 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 an inflammatory immunogenic and allergenic cascade when exposed to mold, a lot of the symptoms are very, very similar. Um, and the same is even true for radiation poisoning. And, you know, there's more and more people now that are experiencing brain fog and fatigue and aches and pains or depression or anxiety, this, this sort of smorgasbord of, of symptoms, because the thing about uh, neurasthenia or electrical illness from radiation and wireless devices is is it's almost like the great imitator it can imitate so many other diseases and and cause different symptoms in different people and some people won't feel anything and then just bam they've got cancer you know or other people will all of a sudden have all of these you know type 2 diabetes or they start their weight starts ballooning up and they have no idea why and they're eating clean and like they don't even have that many carbs um so I, I mentioned some of these examples because like the quality of your, uh, your choices and, and the accuracy of your diagnosis are paramount, you know, so having like precision diagnostic tools and processes is, is absolutely essential and still being willing to say like, even if you get a positive test, that does not mean that you are sick. It does not mean that that positive test is what is responsible for the symptoms that you are experiencing. Um, and it does not mean that any of that is, um, you know, is, is written in stone or beyond healing. Our bodies are miraculous and their capability to regenerate and um and and you know to become more resilient it's um it's incomparable especially when we reintroduce them to a more natural way of living so i just wanted to mention that and and so um i do hope that that gentleman whose daughter was experiencing some of those um involuntary movements is able to through either the mechanical path or the uh, neurological path that I'd touched on, uh, find some, some peace for her. So, um, I think it's best to end with how not to die of a heart attack, but maybe just to, to keep it fun. I'll, um, I'll share another, another cool, um, sort of non-biomarker diagnostic tool 
that we use that can often indicate an increased chance of cardiovascular disease, which includes cardiovascular disease, cerebrovascular disease, atherosclerotic disease, um, so heart attacks and strokes, basically. And um, this one isn't as surprising, but not a lot of people think about it. It's um, hair loss, hair loss and, you know, going bald. So the Department of Medicine at the Harvard Medical School and uh, and Brigham and Women's Hospital conducted an 11-year study involving over 22,000 male physicians. And the study showed that doctors who were bald on top of their heads, as opposed to like frontal balding, like, like a receding hairline or, or a simple thinning of hair, uh, were more likely to suffer from coronary heart disease, especially when that bald-headedness was combined with other risk factors such as high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So that that study sort of took the, um, you know, it, it looked at those three things in conjunction where if you had a physician who was bald and also had high blood pressure and high cholesterol, that um, there was a, a significantly higher probability of them having coronary heart disease, heart attack, or stroke. And um, I think with a sample size of 22,000 people, it's pretty fair to say that that 22,000 male physicians, that would probably translate well to the general population. And, um, and, and again, these are some of the things that, that we'll do along with blood tests and other precision diagnostics and health assessments. And, and of course, um, you know, you and I kind of building out your case history and getting a good understanding of it inside of our, our one-on-one coaching program. So if you guys are interested in, in that type of stuff and want that level of depth with your um, biohacking, your health and in, in body and mind and spirit, then you can go to biohackercoaching.com and uh, fill out the short form to grab a strategy session with myself or someone from our team. All right. So part two here, this is, um, a, a a buddy and business partner of mine. Oh, I don't want to give too many details. So I'm going to, what am I going to call him? I'm going to call him Dave. <laughs> we'll call him Dave. And he, um, just for you guys to, to kind of get caught up and to keep this one a little bit tighter, he did get the shot that came out in 2021. No health issues prior to that. And I'm not saying the health issues that we're going to discuss here are due to that, but they might be. I know he got the first one and and he saw a number of my posts on social media. And then at some point he reached out to me and he was like, hey, man, how serious is this? Like, how bad is this thing? Am I completely effed? I, I totally wish I didn't get it. Like, I regret it now. And um, I've noticed that like, even when I run, he was, he was big into, um, like I think, I think he ran uh, multiple marathons and he's like, even when I go on my runs now, like, I don't feel the same. I, I feel like it's a lot harder. I'm much more out of breath. Um, and it just, I've noticed irregularities with, with my heartbeat. So he had, we'd had this conversation on, on social media and I kind of told him, you know, I wouldn't worry about it, but um, it might be good to think about possibly chelating 
some of the metals that may have been associated with that, like we discussed in the previous episode, and um, just keep an eye on it, you know, but I wouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about it. I think that that could be just as dangerous as as the actual thing itself. Well, he reached out more recently and said now that he um, he all of a sudden has anemia, like out of nowhere, he's never had it. And now he does. So anemia is a, a condition characterized by um, low iron in the body. And this can be due to a simple fact of like, there's not enough iron, but often it's not that simple. And often there's complicating factors like uh, the, the, the different proteins which bind and transport iron around the body and the, um, the, the interaction between metals and minerals and our electrical environment, you know, our, the, the, all the wireless devices that are around us all the time, all of these things affect one another. Like the body, the body is, is interacting with everything, um, inside and outside and all around it. And, and probably things that we don't even think that we're connected to, but we are, um, without getting too woo there. So he reached out and he said, Hey, I've, I've been dealing with, uh, anemia and, um, what can I do? So from, from a diagnostic side, I think it would be good to start with a full iron panel. Uh, you want to get like your iron, total iron binding capacity, your ferritin. Um, we get a pretty, a, a, a pretty detailed, the most detailed I know of uh, blood work done with hormones and everything and include and include that iron panel. I would also get the same heavy metals tests that I mentioned in the previous episode. Um, you can get, I, I think it was upgraded formulas. They've got a, a decent hair tissue mineral analysis test. I've done the one from doctor's data. It's pretty good. It doesn't include though, you know, I'd mentioned like thimerosal and mercury and you know which are kind of one in the same they just got different names um and aluminum there's now so many of these metals they're coming out at a, at a rate that exceeds these tests ability to um update and test for them you know like you can't get a test and test your levels of graphene oxide it's just not possible right now um so um but but it still is a good proxy, you know, to see if there are metals in the body, and then and then if one of these hair tissue mineral analysis tests come comes back and something's flagged, you might want to go a little bit deeper and and get like a provoked twenty uh, four hour urine test, maybe even provoked and and unprovoked with uh, a, a healthcare provider, because you do need the, a prescription for the chelating agents with those. You basically take a chelating agent. I talked about this in the last episode, so I, I won't go into to any more details. I'll assume you guys went back and listened to that. Um, so what do you do? Like what, what, what's at the root cause of anemia in a lot of cases? Some people just have it, you know, but it, it's unlikely that he's 40 years old and has had it his whole life and just found out. So um, when, when you get into what can cause anemia in someone that hasn't been anemic, you're looking at usually metals, which I've talked about, um, or infections in the gut. 
parasites, and certain bacterial overgrowths. So you need a, a, a sort of a robust gut test to go along with with um, some of these metal testing uh, procedures that I've mentioned. And um, Genova has a, a, a decent three-day stool test. I'm not thrilled with like any of the parasite testing that's out there. I have one that we do with clients that looks for almost 50 gut pathogens and inflammatory microbes in the gut. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll also do like, I don't think SIBO is as relevant here, but it may be. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not sure. I don't know if that research has been done. But you want to do some di diagnostic tests around parasites and bacterial overgrowths in the gut too. Because if those are present, they'll, they'll need to be addressed and balance and homeostasis will need to be restored in the gut. Um, or, or, you know, the problem will persist. Now you can take something like, uh, there's a product called Floridix, which is a liquid yeast free iron that will replenish some of the iron that you're deficient in and will you know, shore up some of the fatigue that can accompany anemia in the meantime, while you're taking some of these other steps to address metals, parasites, and bacterial overgrowths in the gut. Um, some other things that can be helpful for anemia are restoring lactoferrin by drinking raw milk. So there's a website, I think it's called realmilk.com, and you can find farmers that sell unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk that is rich in this lactoferrin and, and a variety of other beneficial bacteria um, for the gut. I go to, uh, there's a store and I don't want to reveal too much about them because I don't want to get them in trouble, but my clients know about it. And I go there and I get raw milk every once in a while, um, especially when I'm like not working on leaning out for summer and that sort of thing. Cause you bulk up fast. You get, you get yoked on raw milk. Um, I mean, you think this thing can take like a baby calf and turn it into a bull pretty quickly. And you see why there's so many growth factors and, and, and different proteins and, and nutrients in there that you do not get from the dead stuff at the grocery store. Like I, I won't even touch that anyway. So restoring lactoferrin by drinking raw milk, um, detoxing metals by following some of the recommendations that I gave in part one or working with someone who can help you do that. Um, and, and stop putting them in, in the first place, you know, so really looking hard at the, the drugs and, and medications in your life, knowing what's truly in them. Um, and, and also those injections, the, you can take MSM, uh, which is a sulfur-based compound to reduce, um, which essentially is like, you know, convert ferric iron into ferrous iron, uh, a more bioavailable and less toxic form. And, um, and then do a gut reboot to address the parasites and the metals and um, to kill like clostridium bacteria. And um, 
restoring things like you know a, a number like getting the, the gut microbiome back into balance and homeostasis re- restores uh transferrin which is a, a protein that binds and transports iron in the blood um so those are just some some kind of quick things that i'd be thinking about and doing if uh if i was in his position with anemia and um yeah if 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 this if you know someone that has anemia or and they would find this helpful you know that's how this podcast grows it's by you guys sharing it and as i mentioned in the last episode like that's what also allows me to address some of these potentially controversial topics that that do affect our reach you know is by you guys sharing and saying hey this is dope you should give it a listen uh this could help you i know you were talking about having anemia like did you know that that could be caused by metals and parasites and certain bacterial overgrowth in the gut? No, check this out. All right, cool. Um, so long story short, share it up. And then part three, this is how not to die of a heart attack. So I've, I've already covered kind of two non-biomarker diagnostic tools that can be used to see if you are at an increased risk of dying of a heart attack. We talked about the ear earlobe creases, um, also known as Frank's sign. You got to go back to the last episode if you missed that. Um, and we talked about bald headedness. And the um, Department of Medicine at the Harvard Medical School study of over twenty two thousand male physicians. Now let's talk about what I consider to be some of the most important cardiovascular disease, heart health. Uh, atherosclerosis and cerebrovascular disease tests. I'm not going to go into all of them, um, but I will share some of the ones that are most important and they're almost certainly not not what your doctor is getting you. Um, So I want to kind of arm you guys with this information so that you could at least take this to your doctor and say, these are some of the tests that I want. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass, was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. 
I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. Now, back to the show. I had had one of my close friends who I worked with for a long time. And, and this was even back when I was doing more personal training and stuff. And he'd said, you know, he was, he was expressing some interest in getting like a coronary artery uh, calcium score done or those types of tests. And he was like, you know, I'm getting older and I'm thinking about, I want to know, I want to be able to quantify and assess my cardiovascular disease risk. What do you think about this test? Should I get it? Is it worth it? And so I want to kind of share some of what I responded to him and in doing so, some of the tests that might make sense for you guys and that I think are the most accurate tests for, for predicting CVD or cardiovascular disease. So I said, uh, hey, brother, so you'd want to do some blood tests first. Uh, the coronary artery calcium or CAC score only flags if you're very late in the disease process, meaning it doesn't do a good job of giving you advanced early warning, you know, decades in advance, like some of the other things that I'm going to talk about. So I said, essentially, it's not it's not a good early detection tool. Um, I said, plus a CT angiogram or CTA is a better test, but it uses a lot of radiation, which comes with its own negative health effects. What I recommend instead, um, I said, I have, I have clients, you know, get the following blood tests uh, for early detection and as a first line of defense. So the first blood test is ApoB um, or apolipoprotein B, you spell it A-P-O-B. And Essentially, what you need to know about that is that low blood levels of a cholesterol surface particle protein called apolipoprotein B have been shown to decrease risk of coronary artery disease by 90%. Another study showed regression of arterial plaque when apolipoprotein B is reduced. And I'd mentioned in the previous episode that arterial plaque is very much and often associated with heavy metal toxicity. And that's one of the body's protective mechanisms. And if you want to get rid of arterial plaque, you need to be proactive. You need to figure out if it is due to high, high levels of heavy metals in your body, especially if you have mercury in your mouth and you need to safely and intelligently get that stuff chelated and get it out of your body. And in doing so, you will see, you will often see a decrease in arterial plaque. So go back to the last episode and check that out in part one. Um, because of this, 
Um, it is perhaps the most important biomarker for cardiovascular disease that we order. Uh, this cholesterol surface particle or protein, which is just simpler for communication purposes, is associated with three different forms of potentially dangerous cholesterol. Low-density lipoproteins, very low-density lipoproteins, and intermediate-density lipoprotein. Research has found that ApoB is a better predictor of heart disease than a standard lipid profile ordered by most doctors. And it's an important part of any comprehensive cardio panel um, that we get. I also get a, so that's kind of the first one, ApoB. I also get a full lipid panel that includes total cholesterol and triglycerides. We look at a number of different ratios between those that you don't get on standard tests. Um, and then, you know, LDLP, LDLC, LDL particle size and particle count and, and LPL IR score, the, all those acronyms just deal with low density lipoproteins, intermediate density lipoproteins, et cetera, that I kind of talked about above. Um, these are all important because they give you a breakdown of your LDL particle concentration and size chart, which can indicate cardiovascular disease risk. The next test is, um, LP, um, LP little a, and this test is used to measure the blood levels of a small density uh, of small density lipo lipoproteins, which are a direct link to the formation of arterial plaques or atherosclerosis and are a strong indicator of coronary heart disease. I get C-reactive protein. That one is, is, is in a lot of blood tests, but still important to look at. The CRP test essentially measures your level of systemic inflammation, and that can be used to evaluate the risk of developing um, CBD later on. Uh, myelioperoxidase or MPO. MPO is a vascular specific marker that measures your body's response to damage in your artery walls and the subsequent formation of vulner vulnerable plaques, which are prone to rupture. I also get oxidized LDL, LDL cholesterol, also known as the bad uh, cholesterol. It's really a cholesterol transport protein, which has been modified by oxidation, triggering inflammation, leading to the formation of plaque in the arteries. Again, there's more to that story, but you get it by now. Uh, the reason you want to get your oxidized LDL levels tested is because individuals with high levels of oxidized LDL are four times more likely to develop metabolic syndrome in the next five years. Let me read that again. Individuals with high levels of oxidized LDL are four times 400% more likely to develop metabolic syndrome in the next five years. And levels of oxidized LDL increase in a stepwise fashion as the severity of coronary artery disease increases, right? So make sure your doctor is also getting oxidized LDL, you know, or work with someone who will. Um, another big one is testosterone and free testosterone. And here's why. An article appearing on July 27th, 2017 in the Journal of Sexual Medicine reported that uh, reported the findings of Baylor College of Medicine researchers um, there, that, there is, that there was an association between lower levels of plasma testosterone and unfavorable levels of a number of markers of cardiovascular disease risk. So normally you would hear 
in the media that that higher testosterone and this and that is associated with heart disease risk. Well, what we're finding now is that the opposite is true, especially if we're talking about testosterone that's produced in the body or at least bioidentical. Um, the study included 10,041 men whose median age was 58 years. The proportion of subjects with unfavorable levels of nine out of 10 cardiovascular disease risk biomarkers, including cardiac tropin-1, endothelin-1, interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor alpha, N-terminal pro-B type, natriuretic, natriuretic, I'm ripping that one, Um, peptide, HDL cholesterol, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, hemoglobin A1c, and leptin tended to increase in association with declining testosterone concentrations. Men with low testosterone levels defined as less than 250 nanograms per deciliter had a greater adjusted risk of high concentrations of interleukin-6, endothelin-1, N-terminal pro-B type natriuretic peptide, and leptin in comparison with higher testosterone levels. The study is the first to examine the association between circulating testosterone levels and cardiovascular risk using a large panel of objective biomarkers. As potential mechanisms, studies suggest that testosterone can inhibit atherosclerotic plaque by lowering lipid lesions, preventing um, cell formation, foam cell formation, and endothelial injury, modulating coagulation, and inhibiting inflammation. So pretty interesting study there connecting a wide variety of biomarkers associated with cardiovascular disease risk and um, showing that those unfavorable, those biomarkers in an unfavorable position increase as testosterone lowers. Um, Other important cardiovascular tests that I get as part of our precision diagnostics with this panel are um, homocysteine, a full thyroid hormone panel, so free T4, free T3, reverse T3, thyroid antibodies, and and of course, thyroid stimulating hormone, all the sex hormones, um, an an iron panel, including ferritin that also looks at at hemochromatosis, which is like iron overload and the oxidation of of, of our cells and tissues that can occur if your iron levels are too high. So like the opposite of anemia that we were discussing earlier, um, uric acid. And then in some cases, I'll get an APOE genetic test. Um, APOE is a gene that is associated with lipid metabolism and transport in the body. And it's also kind of known as the, the Alzheimer's gene, because if you have, um, there's there's like three types. There's E2, E3, and E4. And E4 is the one that is most closely associated with Alzheimer's. If you have one copy of E4, then you have, I, I believe it's a 7X um, increased risk of, of late stage onset Alzheimer's. And if you have two copies, so if you're E4, E4, then you are 20 times uh, more likely to develop late stage um, onset Alzheimer's. And that includes me. So I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm E4, E4, um, which, you know, having a dad that has Parkinson's isn't thrilling <laughs> because I get to see the fun of that every day. But um, 
but there are a, a number of of lifestyle uh, changes and behavioral modifications that have proven to be effective. And um, I believe like all this stuff, if you stay ahead of it and keep your mind sharp that, I mean, yeah, there's, there's nothing that is a, a, a death or a health sentence. And I think, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times people wait until the pain is so much that you know, my mom never wanted to do anything about her weight, never wanted to exercise, never wanted to talk about the fact that she had metals in her mouth and or or do anything to 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 chelate those metals or whatever, you know, and then she has a heart attack and she's just like, okay, give me, you know, six new prescription medications and all the stints, right? And that's okay. Um, you know, I, I I've got my things too. But um there's there's a big difference between that and and being proactive and getting the labs and making the modifications in, in advance and that kind of puts the power back in our hands i mean one of the things that's been weighing on me heavy is um there's a a couple that i'm close with and i've worked with the husband a, a number of times over the years and I, I told them repeatedly, like, guys, you really need to clean up your environment. You've got too much wireless everything everywhere. You know, um, I care about you guys. And like, this is a big factor that's influencing a, a number of different facets of your health. I went, I went to their wedding last year and had a great time. And um, they called me up maybe a month ago because she was just diagnosed with a, a form of cancer. I mean, they're young. It's a young couple, right? And and there's no doubt in my I'm not saying everything is caused by this stuff, obviously, but there is a connection. And I think we're just at, at the precipice of of a, a coming uh landslide in in cancer diagnoses because we're not using this tech intelligently. It's using us and it's it's gonna start making a lot of people sick. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to show up in a variety of different ways. I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer or anything, but like, yeah, I wish they'd done some of that, some more of that stuff. They didn't, they didn't do much of anything, you know, and that, that can make cells, um, stop working properly, you know? So I, I hope some of you guys, you know, there's, there are a lot of steps we've done some, we've covered some things in different episodes. You can go back and listen to the, the shielded healing episode, uh, that, that we did. And, and, and I've got, you know, very, um, detailed processes that, and then checklists and stuff that we have in our coaching program that you can learn more about at biohackercoaching.com, biohackercoaching.com. I kind of said that under my breath. All right. So that covers the APOE genetic test that we get for some people. Um, and I said, and I also suggest for a lot of people, a VO2 max test. Um, it's a great proxy for cardiovascular health and one of the most effective ways to reduce cardiovascular disease risk. Essentially, like your, the higher your VO2 max, the lower uh, your cardiovascular disease risk and your risk of all-cause mortality. There's a website, um, fitnesswith1scity.com, and, and they can help you to find like testing facilities in, in your area. Or if we're working together, I'll help you find one. Um, that website's F-I-T-N-E-S-C-I-T-Y.com. Um, and I want to acknowledge here, Dr. Peter Atia. I mean, he brought this to my attention and this data is fascinating. Um, simply bringing your VO2 max 
you guys are going to like this because people hear like VO2 max tests and they think like Rocky for Ivan Drago training and that sort of thing. And like, like you got to be some sort of, I do ultra marathons and triathlons and like, I hate that shit. Um, I, I don't enjoy it at all. And some people do, and that's cool. But like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, there's a hilarious clip from Eastbound and Down where he's like, I'm not trying to be the best at exercising. <laughs> you know, he's like, I play real sports. And that's not, you know, that's not my opinion, but it was a funny line. Um, yeah, that's not what VO2 max is about. Basically, like this, this kind of explains it. So simply bringing your VO2 max from low, which is like the bottom 25th percentile for your age range up to below average, which is the 25th to 50th percentile for your age range. Now think about that. Like, yeah, you don't have a lot of obese people going to get their VO2 max tested, but we're not talking about a particularly spry population where, you know, 70% of people are overweight and obese. Um, so just going from the bottom 25th percentile to below average, meaning the 25th to 50th percentile is associated with a 50% reduction in all-cause mortality. A 50% reduction in all-cause mortality. That's phenomenal. And then when you go from low, that bottom 25th percentile to above average, which is the 50th to 75th percentile for your age range, that risk reduction is closer to 70%, right? So we're not talking about like, you don't, you don't need to be Lance Armstrong here going after the Tour de France. Like we're just talking about small improvements that can have a huge impact on not just cardiovascular disease, but all cause mortality, dying from all causes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've even had clients who start doing this stuff and they're like physically unable to run. And you can bike, you can swim. There's a lot of different ways to get your cardiovascular disease and your VO2 max up. Um, even if you're deconditioned, even if you experience like exercise intolerance and, and that sort of thing, like we figure out how to get you back so that you actually feel good when you exercise, when you move your body and that you've got things trending in the right direction. Cause the answer is not to stop moving because just because like when you exercise, you feel like crap, that means you're doing it wrong, you know? Um, and then from there, you know, we monitor sleep scores, blood sugar, blood pressure. Um, I, I'm not a big like wear wearables all the time guy. I like using them to conduct tests and and solve problems and then kind of take them off. We've got some clients that use the, the Aura Ring, the Whoop Band. Um, some clients are now getting the Garmin Phoenix and using that um, for blood sugar. We'll, we'll either go old school and use like an old school glucometer if, if someone's willing to prick their finger a couple hundred times or just have them do two months with a continuous glucose monitor. Um, and then, you know, get rid of that thing and never wear it again. Um, and then as I've kind of hinted at here and, and touched on with a few of these, I also take into consideration a number of, of other non biomarker cardiovascular disease risk factors. There's a lot of them, so I'm not, I'm not going to go through all of them, but, um, and those weren't all the, the cardiovascular disease tests that we get, but hopefully this is helping you guys understand like the importance of proper diagnostics. Like you can't accurately access, uh, uh, assess your cardiovascular disease risk. If you're getting the wrong tests, 
if your doctor is getting the wrong tests, you know, it's like, I don't want to say you're wasting your time, but you kind of are. Um, body fat percentage is a big one. If, if, if you're over 15, if you're a man and you're like over 15, 20% body fat, like that's something that needs to be addressed. That's more inflammation. It's a higher risk of insulin, uh, insensitivity and metabolic syndrome and type two diabetes and everything. Uh, we talked about hair loss and, and bald headedness, um, the earlobe creases and Frank's sign smoking obviously increases the risk of dying from a heart attack by three to five times. So like your, your risk of dying from a heart attack is 300 to 500% higher if you smoke. And this is also true of chronic exposure to secondhand smoke. Like one cigarette can increase heart rate by 20 to 25 beats per minute. And it takes six hours for the circulation to return to normal after one cigarette. Smoking also increases uh, fibrinogen, which is like, uh, it, it, it causes like the blood to become more thick and, and adverse, adversely affects circulation. Blood is like more viscous. Uh, 1,000 people die every day from smoking cigarettes and increased levels of fibrinogen, which I just mentioned, can cause blood clots. Um, there are also about 4,000 poisons in tobacco. So anyway, everyone knows smoking is bad, but sometimes it's good just to be like, ah, is this, is this trade-off worth it? You know, I've, I've gone out for drinks and socializing and Hey, give me a cigarette here or there. And even had little periods where I'm like, I'm in the woods and I buy myself a pack of American spirits. Cause for some reason I think like, Hey, why would the Indians have any reason to want to kill us. We never did anything to them. These must be better than the regular ones. <laughs> I justify it like that. You know, next thing you know, I'm having a couple American spirits here and there. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing? This isn't worth it. Um, erectile dysfunction or ED. So um, you can call it erectile dysfunction or you can call it endothelial dysfunction. Um, meaning erectile dysfunction is often vascular in nature. Um, not always. Sometimes there is uh, a CNS, a central nervous system component to it as well. Um, but you want to be looking at like, are you getting, are, are you getting nocturnal penile tumescence? I don't know. It's just a fun, fun thing to say, but it just basically means like, are you getting erections during the night while you sleep? Are you waking up with erections in the morning? Um, even your libido is is a fantastic barometer for your overall health and and life force um but kind of keeping it here on the on the erectile dysfunction and endothelial dysfunction side of things in uh the in, in a massachusetts male aging study a large community-based observational survey of men um aged 40 to 70 years the prevalence overall was was 52 percent um in men with no cardiac symptoms, ED, especially in younger men, is a marker of, of significantly increased risk of cardiovascular disease later in life. The treatment of erectile dysfunction has a dual purpose, um, to restore sexual relations, but also to prevent subsequent cardiovascular disease events, including death. And, and I'm not just talking about like throwing Viagra or Cialis at it. I know that those were originally being developed for cardiovascular purposes. And then and they found that they also helped with erections. But um, I think there's a, a wide variety of 
nutritional exercise, lifestyle, um, supplemental, and otherwise, even things like pycnogenol and, and L-citrulline and other compounds um, can be helpful. And we're using a lot of a lot of peptides now and other things that that can work well when when you've already got the behavioral modification in place. Um, erectile dysfunction in men with known cardiovascular disease similarly identifies a, an increased risk. Erectile dysfunction like type 2 diabetes is a cardiovascular equivalent requiring an aggressive risk reduction strategy for CBD, whether there is or is no known CBD. Uh, CVD, CBD. I said CBD. I'm so used to talking about that stuff. <laughs> um, another one that 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 is a non-biomarker um, is your bowel frequency, size, and consistency. So slow motility can, meaning like a, a slow movement of your food through your intestines and your colon, and then you know being eliminated creates a source of toxicity from within the body that is linked to um, a slow metabolism. I and mean, that's not really a shocker. It almost kind of goes hand in hand. Increased inflammation and increased cardiovascular disease risk. Impacted fecal matter and putrefying stool in the intestines will impact all chronic and degenerative diseases, including everything from diabetes, insulin resistance, hormonal imbalances, fatty liver disease, fatigue, brain fog, and pain. So if you think about like the, the things that babies need to be happy, they need to, um, they need food and they need to be pooping and they need love and attention. And we need those things too. And that's sort of the foundation. Like we get all of our clients having at least two, but preferably three quality bowel movements daily as, as, as the foundation of their program. Because if you're not pooping, and there's associations here with Parkinson's and neurodegenerative diseases and all sorts of, of chronic and degenerative diseases. But if you're not pooping, it's it's not possible for, um, for you to have you know to, for your health to be optimized. And and I think we got to kind of sometimes take a step back and be like, you know, if you're putting red light on your balls and you haven't pooped in two days, you're you know you got the cart before the horse. Um, and then I said, then from there, only in some cases would I consider a, a coronary artery calcium score, um, or a CT angiogram or, or the newer, um, coronary computed tomography, uh, angiography or CCTA. And then I just said, let me know if, if that makes sense or if I can help in any way, um, and and some of the other tests that kind of relate to this that I just made mention of, you know, I, I always get the toxic metals tests um, when there's cardiovascular stuff going on. I look for infections, Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, a variety of others that are associated not just with cardiovascular issues, but even neurodegenerative issues. There's there's a number of, maybe we'll do a whole episode on this if you guys want, but there's, there's a number of brain autopsy studies um, and 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 many of them showing in some in some cases 90% of the brains autopsied had um Borrelia burgdorferi the the bacteria that's responsible for Lyme disease present in the brain tissue now that does not necessarily mean that Borrelia burgdorferi the bacteria responsible for Lyme caused the Alzheimer's 
but um, it should raise some concern and alarm and be a data point that we explore a bit further. Uh, and then I said gut and stool tests for gut pathogens like parasites, candida, fungus, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth will sometimes get a SIBO breath test and, um, and other inflammatory bacteria in the gut. And then what's kind of cool is when in doing this stuff and like with guys, when we're, when we're focused on biohacking your longevity, specifically through mitigating cardiovascular disease risk, what ends up happening, and you can kind of see that in our process is you also end up biohacking your six pack. You know, you can end up with more, you know, you're leaner in some cases, visible abs, even year round without killing yourself because your body is functioning better. You have increased sex drive, better erectile function, stronger bedroom performance, you know, all that stuff. Um, we, we work on getting at least 80% of all of your, your biomarkers, many of which, or some of which I've mentioned here, but a lot of others too, including your hormones and everything, um, not within the normal range that is based on that, you know, I mean, let's call a duck a duck, largely sick and, and sedentary and overweight and obese population. Um, we work on getting them into an optimal reference range that we've developed, not just from high performers, but a number of um, a big pool of people that I've coached over the past decade, including at least three Olympic gold medalists, multiple other Olympians, multiple other professional athletes, Stanley Cup winners, uh, uh, tons and tons of business owners and businessmen and, and women and high achievers and people whose um, health and everything is dialed in, you know, so we're using that and we're using where where this large pool of, of biomarkers are at for high performers and high achievers. And that's where, where our comparisons lie. Um, and, and really, you know, another, another differentiating factor between, you know, the normal reference range and the optimal reference range. So we try to get at least 80% of your biomarkers within the optimal reference range. And, you know, depending on where someone's starting, that might take longer than it would for someone else. Um, but yeah, those those are kind of some of the nuts and bolts of what, you know, not dying from a heart attack starts with the right diagnostics. And if you're walking into, and, and again, this isn't like I'm, I, I, nothing but respect for doctors. And again, I said this in the last episode, I say it every episode, this, this is for education and information and entertainment purposes only. I am not a doctor. I'm not trying to be a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor. And I'm not saying I've got nothing but respect for doctors. I go to doctors. I'm friends with a lot of doctors. I, I you know, all respect and all love. I'm saying, I'm talking about the people that are trying to stay ahead of their cardiovascular disease risk. They're trying not to have a heart attack and they're going into their doctor and their doctor's getting a complete blood count, maybe triglycerides, maybe cholesterol, and hoping that that actually gives them an accurate picture of what's going on and, and whether they're at risk of having a heart attack or a stroke. It doesn't, you know, the, the, to, to assess and to, to assess your risk and to avoid, um, having a heart attack, you've got to get the right labs. And then, and then you, you've got to figure out where you're at with the labs that matter, um, including some of these non biomarkers that we've discussed 
And then you need to have a, a game plan built in, in order to optimize what isn't. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully you guys found that valuable. And um, if you did share this episode, again, that's how we are able to deal with, you know, suppression and censorship that occurs when you talk about things that help put the, the, the health of the people back in the hands of the people. So I appreciate you guys. Um, share this up. Let me know what else you'd like to hear on the pod. We've got some great interviews that I've had kind of just in queue for a while. And I wanted to record, you know, this part one and part two. I didn't know it was going to be a two-parter, but I, uh, I was a little, I was a little chatty on part one and then had to run out the door to go to my dance lesson. So here we are. But I think in these two parts, we, we kind of nailed it and covered a lot of good stuff. And if you guys um, want help with this and you want to be a part of our, our platinum coaching program and biohack your six pack, get your body dialed in, uh, slash your risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, neurodegenerative disease, and, um, and then have me with you there every part of the way to see what's possible when, when you give a, a strategic, a strategic game plan, everything you've got, then, um, you can go to biohackercoaching.com and fill out that form and grab a time to have a strategy session with myself or someone from our team. And, uh, we'll see if that's a fit and that's all I got folks. So appreciate you hanging out. Uh, one last time, if you got value from this, I very much appreciate you sharing it up, telling people about the podcast, um, word of mouth and, and you guys is, uh, is the engine that drives this thing and why, you know, why I do it. So yeah, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations. I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year, and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts. And my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you 
try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. 